Welcome to What the Up is Going On in Latin America and the Caribbean, Code Pink's weekly YouTube program of hot news out of the region. In partnership with Friends of Latin America, Massachusetts Peace Action, and Task Force on the Americas, we broadcast every Wednesday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Code Pink YouTube Live. Tonight is a special edition of our program, and we are broadcasting live from Managua, Nicaragua. Today's episode is Nicaragua Vive, a post-inaugural conversation. Tonight, I am joined in conversation with journalists Camila Escalante of Casachu News and Fiorella Mallorca and Jonathan Mallorca of the Convo Couch, all of whom attended the inauguration of President Daniel Ortega and Vice President Rosario Murillo on January 10. We will discuss events leading up to the re-election of the Nicaraguan president and vice president and what the continuation of their administration means for the hemisphere of the Americas. Welcome, everybody. This is so fun to have all of, all of you here in one place in one city on this really um, incredible week that we have witnessed. So why don't we, let me just introduce to our audience, I think you probably know everybody, but sitting with me here is Camila Escalante of Casacho News, and joining us from a couple miles away here in Managua is Fiorella Mallorca and Jonathan Mallorca, who many of you know from the Convo Couch. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Hi, everyone. Hi, so, thank you, Terry, for having us. Well, thank you. I'm really glad everybody had some time this evening. So for our audience, uh, we, all of us, uh, were part of an international delegation um, that accompanied or was invited to attend um, President Ortega's uh, and Vice President Murillo's uh, inauguration on Monday evening, January 10. And we were also, all four of us, and many others from North America, uh, we were also all here in November for the presidential elections. So let's talk a little bit about um, what happened um, the 7th, the administration was reelected. What's happened between November 7 and today? Because it's a pretty uh, monumental series of events for Central America specifically and Latin America and the Caribbean as a whole. So whoever wants to jump in, please. Well, I'll begin. We saw um, on election day, we, we heard the um, the official results late at night um, or early, in early morning hours from the Consejo Supremo, the CSE electoral authority, which uh, told us that Danielle Ortega had won re-election overwhelmingly uh, with something like 75% of the vote. And, you know, the population voted overwhelmingly in terms of people of his own age, uh, that is older adults and youth alike. And so, um, you know, right away, beginning the next morning, um, we saw the United States and others in the exterior try to delegitimize de these results. And it, it seems to me that both on that day or, you know, the, the day following the elections that week, um, until now, that all of those different calls to try to delegitimize uh, the result in these, in these elections in general have just fallen on deaf ears. Uh, they don't resonate um, the way in which this used to resonate. We've been seeing, you know, attacks from mostly the United States, also the EU and Canada against the Sandinista government since before the 2018 violence and terrorism which took place here, which was backed and financed by the United States. And at that time, we saw a lot of people 
um, you know, spreading disinformation about what's going on here. We heard the claims that the protests, they called them protests rather than violence, rather than attacks on Sandinistas, rather than terrorism, that all of what was going on in the streets, the violence was being carried out by students, by young people, by, they would even say ex-Sandinistas, um, and working class people in general, campesinos, indigenous people. And what we've come to learn since then, um, you know, in our different travels here, myself, uh, you know, in, in the summer, as well as during the elections and now, is that actually, you know, those, those different groups weren't represented. And a lot of the, the tranques, um, the roadblocks in the different um, areas where there were, uh, you know, violent mobs, and extremist groups were around universities, that is true, but they weren't, it wasn't carried out by students. It was carried out largely by um, uh, young people who were armed, oftentimes who were drugged by the opposition, just as we've seen in Venezuela. And this information is coming to light with more people reporting on the reality here in Nicaragua. And I think people are beginning to understand, uh, you know, the reality. And that means that, you know, these sanctions and these different acts of aggression and threats against the Nicaraguan government have just had absolutely no effect. So when the election or the inauguration took place this week, we again saw the announcement of more uh -huh. sanctions against supposedly individuals of the Nicaraguan government, which are really just sanctions against Nicaragua in general and often the Nicaraguan people. But I think there's more and more that indicates that it's not going to have any effect. Nicaragua has many ways of being able to pursue uh, stronger trade relations and cooperation and infrastructural uh, uh, plans and projects with different countries and to continue on their path of development without interruption and that this isn't really going to and that you know the the Sandinista project here will not be affected by um, by these sanctions in the way in which we've seen other countries severely affected before you know what I think is um, really significant and and johnny and fiorella please jump in here right after a day or two after the elections in november um nicaragua announced through the foreign minister that it would be uh filing to leave the oas that's a two-year process that it takes to leave but they did um, start the the exit process and then within a week or so after that the government formally recognized re-recognized as it had in the 80s uh, the People's Republic of China, um, that was unrecognized in the 90s through the 16 years of the neoliberal government, and then Taiwan was the recognized government. That is all switched back now. And so what does that mean going forward? Yeah, so I personally think that is an extremely important point. I mean, the recognition of the China one um, is going to open up a lot of economic opportunities for Nicaragua. We have seen similar actions in Bolivia and how that's helped lift people out of poverty. We've seen China itself lift its own people out of poverty. And so when you have an investment and a close economic relationship in Central America with a superpower um, and Nicaragua, who as, as a country as a whole, as Camilla was mentioning, they are largely self-sufficient. Um, they have managed to push back against these sanctions by focusing on developing their own industries, agriculture, et cetera. And so when, when you have this now incoming relationship, you have the possibilities and the likelihood pretty much confirmed by President Daniel Ortega um, on Monday 
of building new infrastructure from roads to canals to possibly even trains. When he talked about the relationship with China, it's all going back to the Belt and Road Initiative, which now Syria has also signed on to. So you're seeing the alliances geopolitically build up. You're seeing the uh, influence of Iran. You're seeing Syria. You're seeing China, Nicaragua, Russia. And this is not done to do anything really just because they want to be spiteful to the West. This is done because they have to have alliances when they're being sanctioned. A lot of people don't understand and they criticize saying, well, why are you going to go from one empire to another superpower. Well, this is this is how you help countries. This is how you you have some sort of relationship. And I think it will benefit Nicaragua, especially the canal that would be an interoceanic canal that would connect the Pacific and the Atlantic. And it will rival, of course, the barely now used Panama Canal. And a lot of people are so on board with that, the creation of jobs. The, the just the ability for Nicaragua to develop and Nicaragua is developing rather quickly. I mean, the percentage of, of, of wealth has increased. You, you can go to the nearby towns of, uh, in the Caribbean North of Bilwe in the autonomous regions and see just how thankful people are for the support of their government in spite of the fact that they do retain their autonomy they really do thank our Daniel Ortega's government for helping them during these uh, last year's back-to-back -back category four and five hurricanes where their, their houses were and their roofs were effectively rebuilt very quickly, unlike what we see the U.S. do to what many consider a colony, Puerto Rico, where they actually exploit through disaster capitalism uh, the country every single time there, there something happens there. So... I really do think that's one of the reasons why the United States issued new uh, sanctions specifically on certain people. And we had the chance to interview one of those people. We've had the chance to talk to um, several key figures. Um, and of course, we're all going to be releasing that footage, but it is essential that, it, that we have come here to actually get the real story because there's a lot of people talking a lot of propaganda. But they've never stepped foot in this country let alone talk to a Nicaraguan. So I think it's important to also point that out. You know, yeah. you mentioned, can, let me just clarify for the audience and then I'm sorry, Johnny, the, the uh, response to the hurricanes on the Caribbean coast, the Atlantic coast, and um, nothing compared to what's happened in Puerto Rico. The US government has used the disaster in Puerto Rico to privatize all what was public infrastructure and the privatized, for example, electrical system services fewer of the population then so that disaster capitalism thing okay go ahead johnny i'm sorry to interrupt you oh you're, you're good uh i just want to say you know it's just like such a power move from nicaragua to make this move with, uh to get together with china and uh and recognize china's government uh this is really going to excel the country in a way like i already see some people um i turned the tv on today and just to see what the, the Nicaraguan news is saying. And uh, I see there's this education program that's that's gone and it's, they're trying to get tech jobs going more, you know? Uh, I'm really seeing some more development already starting to come. These, uh, I mean, education was already like uh, free for uh, all Nicaraguan citizens, you know? Uh, I've had my cab drivers say, you know, uh, for 
uh, Nicaraguan who doesn't want to study, it's because they don't want to study because you can study for free here and you can learn. You can, you can find a career. You can, uh, you know, find out about that career and learn everything you need to. Uh, I want to uh, back up Camilla's point about the elections. Uh, uh, yeah, it was that day that <laughs> propagandists from the mainstream media, legacy media, uh, were literally telling lies about the election while we were here on the ground uh, debunking it, live stream on, on the Convo page. You can watch these live streams where I was live uh, just completely debunking what they were saying, showing everybody the voting centers on camera. Like, this is not a lie. There's multiple parties here. There's multiple parties in the room. There's multiple parties on the ballots. Uh, today, we got, uh, we got verification from the president of the, uh, of the CSC saying that they never received any official paperwork from any of those candidates that were in prison or there weren't candidates. They were, they wanted to be candidates. Yeah, <laughs> they were the, testing the, the waters. <laughs> yeah, they weren't even pre-candidates. They were just people who said that they aspired to the presidency one day, like you and I and everyone else. <laughs> right, and so we got verification today that there was never any official uh, paperwork from the president and the, uh, the magistrate of the election uh, council here so we just keep learning more and more and it's been uh, an awesome experience and uh, I'm very humble to be here in the presence of such a revolutionary country it's uh it's it's really uh it's really nice how the government is anti-imperialist uh yeah and, I <laughs> and most to, people are i wanted to add that um you know the the china and nicaragua they have they have said you know um through both the a uh, foreign ministry spokesperson of the People's Republic of China and Danielle Ortega during his speech during the inauguration inauguration they have they have uh, you know confronted this claim head on that it's not that China and Nicaragua have a common enemy that's not why they're coming together it is literally because they have the same uh, desires for their people and their people want you know a certain government and that is you know their ultimate goal in the short term is to, and I'm saying in the short term, because this is the, this is their number one priority, is to completely eradicate and get rid of all poverty. They want to bring the, they want to bring everyone out of poverty. They want to immediately raise the uh, conditions which people live in across all sectors, across all backgrounds and all regions of the country. And they want people to have a higher standard of living and access to education, access to health uh, without restriction and without any sort of discrimination. The sort of discrimination that we see in the global north and that we see anywhere, uh, you know, disaster capitalism is manifested throughout Latin America. Um, you know, as, as many people have said, they would like to see the United States empire and its allies would like to see situations like we see in Haiti and every other country of Latin America and the Caribbean as well. And um, it's unfortunate that we have to use Haiti as an example, but I would also use the examples of Colombia and uh, Honduras and many others where paramilitaries run entire regions of the country um, and that, you know, there's a complete absence of the state, uh, complete power vacuum and where illegal activity and transnational uh, cartels run everything. That's what they want in all countries. Um, and they want, uh, you know, foreign capital to be able to go in and um, launch whatever project they want, extractivist um, ex exploitation of, um, of our resources. And that's um, exploitation of the resources that's not for the benefit of the Nicaraguan people. 
that would be for the benefit of the capitalist hoarders. So this is something you know that uh, China and Nicaragua are against. They would like to use you know all of um, all of the resources of the state to you know put towards social in investment and programs that will better the lives of of regular people, and that is going to largely be through just these uh, very basic but expansive um, and large infrastructural projects. So for our audience, just to clarify what the four of us witnessed Monday night the 10th, um, right after um, President Ortega was sworn into office, he did announce and he read in front of the entire world that was launching um, parts of the accord that were signed that Nicaragua has signed with China for the Belt and Road Initiative. So that has been formally announced. That was formally announced in front of all of us um, Monday Monday night, and it's really could assuming when I think all of us are pretty much assuming the announcement to for the canal is coming next, and that will completely change the complexion of of the Caribbean, and uh, will just open that up to world trade, and will not no longer be solely uh the backyard quote unquote of the united states and we're looking at, at at what's coming in my opinion and i think i think all of us would share the same what's coming is a multipolar multilateral hemisphere of the americas and we're seeing the beginning of the end of the monroe doctrine and of a u.s-led unilateral hemisphere of the americas and um this is to me really exciting for all of us that live in the Americas, this potential to raise the, the quality of life for all Americans and not just you know, one demographic of, of capitalists. Yeah, and I think that um, you know, as we've seen time and time again for uh, 20 something odd years going on 30 years, the world rejects the US unilateral uh, course of measures and blockade, total blockade on Cuba, uh, near total blockade. and. Uh, most of the world hasn't wanted to participate in that right and left governments have rejected that and but what we've seen in recent years is though that there is solidarity from all sorts of uh, different governments from across Europe and around the world they actually have had great difficulty uh, getting their goods to Cuba and a lot of different companies mostly you know shipping companies are they're not in a position to risk sending things to Cuba, even though, according to their own national laws and jurisdictions in which they live in and operate in or are based in and operate in, um, there's nothing that says that they shouldn't be able to deliver goods to Cuba. But there have been a lot of difficulties um, you know, imposed on them by one single state and one single government, and that's the United States. So you know, we just have to, um, you know, I think that there's this understanding from all three governments that are uh, you know, severely sanctioned in our region, uh, but more so Cuba and, uh, and Venezuela, that, um, you know, a, a canal or, um, you know, more cooperation with our allied countries and governments overseas could actually uh, begin to really alleviate things for countries like Cuba, which has had a difficult time getting their hands on medicine, on supplies, on all sorts of, uh, you know, spare parts, in order to fix things like in the in the case of uh, Venezuela, uh, gas refineries and um, other vehicles that are needed to just to you know transport things and run a society as any other country is able to. So this will not only help the people of Nicaragua and Central America, but potentially the whole the entire region. Yeah, 
I wanted to touch back on uh, also what President Daniel Ortega said on January 10th on his inauguration day. He made it very clear that it was very telling to have no higher, you know, executive type of diplomats and uh, political officials be sent by the United States. However, what better way to show or the, the support, the solidarity from the people of the United States, because he has reiterated that he is not against the American people, but against um, the US empire, US imperialism. And what better way to show the solidarity than to have members, delegations, like the ones we were a part of, really be there and see and attend the inauguration. And I think that's an important point to note because a lot of people sometimes get caught up in, you know, it's, we hate, the, these people hate the US, et cetera. And it's like, well, they don't hate the people of the US or the people of North America in particular, you know, Canada, the US, um, European Union. Um, but it's, it's these governments, these empires that impose their international want, desires uh, onto countries, countries that want to retain their sovereignty. And I think it was important that he pointed that out. Um, and it was very impactful to be there and hear that, that mentality, um, at least for me, because it's not, it's, it's not something you hear every day. And unfortunately, you know, when you live in the United States and you operate like against the empire, you know what's going on. But the moment you walk outside of your bubble, um, you see that the vast majority of people are propagandized, including segments in, in the U.S. who call themselves leftists, constantly saying, well, what about the political prisoners? What about this? What about that? They constantly re regurgitate that propaganda. And then you turn on the TV here, and they're actually talking about China. They're talking, they're educating people on what's happening. So you can see how important it is to have the media uh, here, even independent media, because over there, it's just so hard. It's it's ingrained in, ev in everybody, even through channels like YouTube. The algorithm supports the CIA-backed propaganda of, of these uh, YouTubers, which we can call BreadTube. There's been countless analysis done on that. And it's just kind of crazy how, you know, how it, it's frustrating. But at the same time, um, it's, it's it feels genuine in the growth of what's happened. Like, there's a, it's a lot more difficult for them to continue pushing this propaganda without pushback. And um, the more the more I see, the more I've been here, the more I can tell that this is their actions are becoming very uh, desperate. And they know the United States knows it's That's on what a makes the US so scary now, though, right? Is that desperation? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Sense. They totally know that that they're on a downward spiral. I mean, if you look at what what's happening in the United States, the Biden administration, the 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 approval rating is so low, <laughs> even lower of the vice president. There, it's it's like a joke right now. The United States is unfortunately a joke to a lot of the rest of the world. And so, what we're seeing is um, a desperate attempt at these smears. And so what what we what we have to really do is to continue uh telling these people's stories which is why i liked like this last interview we did camilla and that last question that you know where we talked about this this woman's story and i think it's important to tell those stories because that honestly is the way you really get people to understand where somebody is coming from and what they've experienced yeah we heard from... oh. go for it go ahead uh, 
<laughs> we, we, we heard from Brenda Rocha, who's the president of the Supreme Electoral Council, and she's someone who at the age of 15 lost her arm as a standing youth member, which means even years before that she had been participating in some of the um, resistance. This was in 1982, and probably since the age of 13 she had been, um, she had been, you know, doing uh, some some mobilizing and protecting different sites um, against the terrorism of the Contras, the U.S. backed and financed Contras. And so, in a terrorist attack, eight of her comrades were killed, and she was the only survivor. And it's just an unbelievable story because here she is now, one of the most important heads of of the very important institution, which is the you know highest electoral authority of Nicaragua. And you know she has been resisting empire um, through hard times. Um, and and through the the best of times as well, and she and many other people have have stood up um, against that. And so her story was was very touching for us. Um, I also wanted to say because I actually have to take off in just a moment, but um, you know I I think we, we hear these claims again and again in the mainstream U.S. media, which is that, um, including of course the, the papers. Uh, like you said, the legacy media, which is that journalists are censors, censored, that the media is censored here, that people can't say certain things, and that foreign independent media or foreign outlets are not able to operate here, that they're not able to come here and report. I mean, this is exactly the case in the United States. Um, we just see vast censorship all the time. And we're talking when we're talking about political prisoners, uh, political prisoners, um, you know, the US has the highest number of political prisoners, um, you know, far higher than Nicaragua, and it has the largest prison population. And the only outlets that you would ever find that actually have the capacity to stream on air on television speak about that are press TV and RT in English. And those two outlets have been uh, specifically uh, specifically, uh, you know, more so press TV have been completely censored from all the major social media uh, platforms. They're not freely available on any of the cable providers in the United States, and you're not able to even see them on YouTube or Facebook or other platforms without vast censorship. And these are the only, uh, you know, uh, television networks um, that are not little small independent alternative outlets like the ones we run. These are the ones with the, which, which would potentially have the largest viewership and platforms. And it's absolutely impossible to see them. And they've also been censored in the UK and other places. So we see the way in which, you know, um, the Chinese uh, state media and other state media hasn't been able to report um, in the United States, how they're censored and taken off platforms. And uh, just one last thing I, I wanted to say is that, um, you know, we've heard from a lot of people here um, when asking them how we can be in solidarity with Nicaragua against the sanctions and against imperialist aggression, a lot of people have said that the first thing that you have to do to be able to be in solidarity and to be able to, uh, you know, fight imperialist attacks is to be conscious conscious of what 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 the attacks are and what's going on. And so, you know, this is our task as alternative media, as, uh, you know, organizers in solidarity with the Sandinista people, the Nicaraguan people, the Sandinista revolution is bringing to light uh, the reality here. It's very uh, wonderful that we have the opportunity to come here, but we need more and more people to understand what the effects of sanctions really are, uh, the way in which you know, the, the complete the situation, the story and the narrative has been manipulated by the media. And that needs to be clear for, for people to be able to to stand in solidarity and to be able to take this down and confront it in the future. So thank you so much, Terry, for having me. And uh, good to see you guys. And I'll, I'll see you guys a bit later.
Okay, thank you, Camilla. She's got another broadcast to go do. So yeah. I'm just um, busy, busy lady, Miss Camilla. Yeah. She's uh, well, you two also. You you all have just been working since we got here a week ago. It's been very impressive, and I I'm so thankful for it. You know, there's a couple things that you said, Fiorella, that uh, for me the uh, the word that comes to mind most strongly about U.S. foreign policy globally, not just towards Nicaragua, is hypocrisy. That's, and I, I just, it's so important to get, to step out of the United States, whether it's on a one week vacation, or, you know, in my case, I've been, I've been in Mexico City, as much of the, our audience knows for almost two years now. And um, hypocrisy, I think is really, it is the word that I just is like a neon sign for me. The other thing you mentioned political prisoners and I think one huge black eye that the United States has and somehow we just never connect the dots is that horrible prison sitting in Guantanamo, Cuba that is owned and operated by the United States. And the whole world knows about that prison and the human rights violations that take place there and the renditioning, how, how people end up there through renditioning and many other ways. We never talk about Guantanamo. I should mention to the audience, Code Pink does have um, a campaign to close Guantanamo and you can find more about that at codepink.org. But that is just such a huge to, to point at any other country for the US to point. And here's where the hypocrisy comes in to point at any other country on the planet and talk about political prisoners while that prison in Guantanamo remains open and managed by the United States funded by our tax dollars is just, is, is quite heinous. Right, that's that's why it's, it's so hard. It was so like alien to me to see so much support for a government because I haven't really seen that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not used to it. So when I see people really back their government and really genuinely feel backed by their government, it's, it's just something that you don't see in the United States. In the United States, you, you see people um, who, you know, either blindly, jingoistically support a government that doesn't work for everybody or completely not support their government and either fight it in various ways from the left to the right. And, and it doesn't, it, it, it's just, it's, it's so, it's so weird to see people really love their government and really have a uh, fight, understand foreign policy. They understand, Nicaraguans understand how their elections work. Nicaraguans understand the politics in, in this country. They also understand international politics. They can talk to you about what the U.S. has done on how sanctions, you know, affect the working people of Nicaragua, not the politicians that they're supposed to, that they say they're going to go after. And that's not, you can go into the United States. Most people don't know who the representatives are. Most people don't really care because they feel like they're, they know their elections are not fair. They know their government isn't representing them. And so you have a lot of animosity, but you also have a lot of infighting towards each other. You have people distracted uh, upon and very fearful. And that fear is the opposite of what I see here. I see here an embrace for peace. For, for justice, for collective good. And in the United States, you see people very fearful of each other, whether or not they're in the right, it's, it's just, it's that sentiment. And so 
it's it's real i understand why so many people who are anti-imperialist have left the united states and the the issue i have with that is like i want to leave so bad but then who's left in the united states and yeah, that's why you have the like, work is there no i mean the work yeah. is there inside the u.s borders and and so that's why all of us, you know, do our programs and do these trips to bring the news. But the the change needs to happen inside, and everyone will, everyone else outside will benefit for that. With that, um, Johnny, today when we were driving back from a meeting, you mentioned to me that you want to move here, <laughs> and I and I told you you're probably I I have been uh here in nicaragua this is my third visit in less than 12 months and every time i come with us younger us younger than me <laughs> citizens um i hear something very similar and so when you said that today you know in the in the van that i want to come live here can you share with the audience why why you feel that way what is it because you're under 30 and it's generally under pretty much under uh, your generation that shares that same sentiment. Every time I'm here with US citizens who are younger, I hear I hear that. And so can you share with us why you feel that way? What? Yeah, it's just like the spirit in the air is, uh, you see it everywhere. It's very anti-imperialist, very revolutionary. I mean, the graffiti is graffiti of revolution, re revolutionaries. You have a, a graffiti of Che Guevara, you have graffiti of of uh of um the red and black everywhere you know FSLN. Um, fsln um and apart from that i mean the people we've been meeting they're very very left out here this is this is what i like to call the true left out here uh because in the united states it's just so uh <laughs> the difference is so stark of like how not left they are <laughs> they're very uh, actually turns out to be conservative in the united states and uh, stepping out of the united states into a country where you're seeing this very anti-imperialist which is why my name my name has been johnny anti-imperialist for almost a year now and now i finally, <laughs> That's your I finally come to, <laughs> on twitter on twitter <laughs> and i finally come to a country it's like super anti-imperialist like with danielle uh saying f you to the uh united states with uh by by joining china it's just it's so awesome it's it's just it's amazing and you know the people here are awesome the culture here is good uh i wish i had more tequila <laughs> but um <laughs> but uh yeah i mean it's it's been a, it's been a great experience and uh i really am thinking about it and the uh the weather's great the other thing i wanted to talk about um was um the big smear i see uh you know because we were talking about smears so i kind of wanted to interject about the smears uh the biggest smear i see is that uh people say that danielle is a dictator and that's like just the number one go-to one that's what jorge ramos tweeted on inauguration day that's what someone commented on my picture i just posted about uh when i was just at the inauguration uh and i'm like that's the one narrative we gotta completely just eliminate easily so i can tell the audience right now you know there's like three things that i've seen that say that that's not true right one we witnessed the elections and uh they were fair free and transparent 
I would have liked to see the tabulation calm. process. Election day was very calm. Calm, peaceful. Yeah. Uh, that's what a lot of people were saying, peaceful. I would have liked to have seen the tabulation process a little bit deeper, but uh, I can see that next time. Uh, other than that, the elections were efficient, way a much better election system uh, than the, the U.S. is, and we've spoken about this a lot on our show. Uh, the other thing is uh, today we, uh, no, yesterday we talked to uh, two radio, uh, radio broadcasters, broadcasters, broadcasters yeah. and uh, they, uh, you know, they were talking about the government with, you know, without any restrictions. I mean, they, they were, uh, they actually even criticized some certain aspects mm -hmm. of the Ortega government, which was interesting to see, you know, and they, these are non-government officials and, you know, they're, able to do that they they don't feel any uh, repression, repression or, or you know restriction on mm -hmm. being able to do that uh and then the other one i can't think of right now i, I had it in my <laughs> mind but <laughs> what, what do you see to combat that narrative of, of well that, when we talk to people when we talk to people they literally list the reasons why they support the government and and you know we've seen the housing in bismar martinez we've seen the We've seen the the aid in Billy that they provided, the schools that they're rebuilding and expanding, the fact that they have health care. I don't we don't even have health care for the people in the United States. The fact that you can go to school free public tuition. Right now in the United States, we're begging people uh, in power, uh, the Biden administration in particular, to forgive a certain amount of student debt forgiveness that he went back on. He said he was gonna do it, he's not gonna do it anymore. Meanwhile, you can go to school for free here in Nicaragua. Um, also women, that's the other issue. That uh, The whole US like facade of being such a feminist, advanced, liberal country, you know, you have the march uh, for women's march and you have all these things, but truly, what have women really, really, truly, when you compare the United States and Nicaragua, there are more women in positions of power in Nicaragua. And not only that, it's not just power based on identity. It is power based on economics that helps and ability marginalized groups. Exactly. Yeah. And so the, in the United States, Terry, I, you can probably speak to this. There's more of a um, symbolic gesture placed on the feminist ideal you, you can look at the me too movement and how that excluded several people versus what in nicaragua when they're like look we're gonna put the titles in in the name of women we're gonna have women in positions of power but they're gonna make the same amount of money women still in the united states don't earn the same amount of money as men and yet they're so advanced you know we haven't I, you say can, I can speak to this. Here's what. Here's one thing I would like to speak to is that we still have not passed the Equal Rights Amendment in the United States, and that was a project that started when I was your age, actually, and so or younger maybe. But um, yeah, we do not have equal pay for equal work in the United States, but we have other ways of uh, what's a socially defining uh fe feminism versus you know economic definition of it and that you're right there are more there are more women in leadership or significant leadership roles the vice president <laughs> being probably the most visible uh but throughout yeah. the country throughout the country um women are 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 in you know very high levels of 
of leadership throughout the government and throughout throughout private business as well. And so it's a very, and young people, the development of young people in this country is very, very exciting. And I, I think, you know, that's probably one of the things you're responding to as well, Johnny, that energy, you know, if you as someone under 30 sees all these people in the, you know, in different governmental departments and, um, you know, the, the national government as well as municipal government, and all the young people who have started, you know, are getting educated and starting businesses. It's very, um, it's very exciting what's happening here. And it's something that is not probably uh, what the United, it's not being done under the United States definition of development, of private development. And uh, that's a big clash we're seeing throughout the hemisphere, I would argue throughout the world, particularly in the global south, those uh, nations that are, are in a partnership with, with, uh, with capital and the state to develop the country for everyone versus privatizing everything, which only allows people of certain incomes to participate in, 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 the, in the society. So it's a real clash and it's very, very exciting uh, to see this, this shift that has, in my opinion, started on November 7th. This shift in the hemisphere has been coming, coming, coming for several decades and it was just basically the whole world just saw the ship turn, <laughs> turn on, on November 7th. And now of course, you know, um, pretty much formalized on January 10. So, so what else should we talk about before, before I let you go? Is there anything you want to share with the audience that, that we haven't discussed or that we should maybe talk a little bit more in detail? I just want to shout out the, uh, the viewers right now. Uh, shout out to Nicaragua footage, Mr. Boston. Uh, let's see. How you doing? You guys are chatting a lot. Let's see. There was We Need Critical Thinking, Rick Sterling, Justin. Oh, hey, Mills. Rick. <laughs> put 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 a put a fist in the chat if you're with Nicaraguan Solidarity. Throw, throw a fist in the chat. Little little fist emoji. But uh, <laughs> you're so funny. Uh, I was just gonna say to wrap it up, you know, another thing is the um, anti-war movement or the anti-imperialist movement here is uh, grew out of the need of the Nicaraguan people because of what their experience um, was and what their conditions were. And that's something we have to remember. If your conditions are, um, will propel you to act and, and you have a very anti-imperialist sector, not just, you know, um, women in positions of, 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 of leadership of power, but you have these anti-imperialist women Whereas in the United States, you have Kamala Harris, who as vice president, who has jailed more black and brown people um, than most prosecutors in her lifetime. And you have a lot of the, the security, national security state apparatus hiring diversity, but it is to kill, it is to sanction, it is to, to do um, just evil things. It is not to do something good. And so that's the difference. It's, it's light and day uh, or night and day, uh, what I see. And that's one of the things that also attracts me to Nicaragua is just the, the, the politics is, is so representative of the people and so peaceful, it's leading positively. And I think 
a lot of us who are not from Nicaragua have been accustomed to a very dark image of government, a very negative image of government. And, some of us. And um, that in, in the United States. Some of us who could see it. Yeah, some of us who could see it. But it's, <laughs> uh, it's, just, it's just, you know, uh, it doesn't have to be that way. And I think uh, being here so much and seeing how efficiently it can work really put shifts a little bit of my perspective as to how a government can actually function so any closing comments johnny uh yeah i mean uh i agree completely i mean just like the the programs the social programs they have here and then what 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 we've seen on this trip and what uh you know with the atc you know there, there are a lot of like associations and unions and uh cooperatives. cooperatives you know there's so many of that and it's it's i feel like it's encouraged by the government to be involved in, in in organizations like that uh so i just you know i just really want to shut up i mean look like there's what there's like the, ta the taxi one that we uh oh you weren't there for that i was me and libre the taxi one uh there's a taxi union there's the eight the farmers uh association there's the oh and the police here actually help people oh yeah that's the other thing the police here <laughs> people aren't afraid to see the police what a concept uh, they actually do help people out here and there's a lot of women on the police i've seen a yes. lot a lot of women on the police mm -hmm. and the military so, the police and the and the military have very um large female population so I, i'm just, just very excited i'm just very excited to see uh what the future has in store for <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I really, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But I'm really excited for the future. Uh, I think it's a, uh, it's a good idea to uh, keep an eye on Nicaragua. Can I just tell our audience, Johnny mentioned ATC, and that's our friends at Fr that those are our friends at Friends of the ATC, and a shout out to Erica Takeo and Fausto Torres and Edgardo Garcia, who always are so embracing to us when we come here and show us and teach us and host us so much uh, about um, the working people, particularly the farmers that are that are sustaining the food sovereignty um, of Nicaragua. So just a shout out to the three of you. One thing I would just like to say in closing, because I do, as, as I have said before, in this program, I really do believe the hemisphere is shifting from US unilateralism to global multilateralism. And that's really very possible on a very deep level because people in the region outside the United States so understand US foreign policy so much better than those of us living inside the US borders. And they understand the policy because they've been victims of it, whether it's been a hot yep. war, or economic war or propaganda war, they understand US foreign policy so clearly that they're able, you know, to push back against it. At least, you know, intellectually, it's taken, um, it's taken the rise of China, India, Russia, Iran, other countries to allow these victims of foreign US foreign policy an alternative, someplace where they can legitimately go. And as of January 10, Nicaragua has legitimately turned to China and joined the Belt and Road Initiative. So I think it's gonna be very exciting for, for so many people in the Americas going forward, very positive. And, not, and, and that's 
what the United States is afraid of. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Terry, for having us. Oh, thank you. So wonderful to have traveled with you twice now. I hope again. And um, just really great to get to know you better. I'm so thankful you had time to join us this evening, too. I really appreciate that. I know that you know you guys have your own show. So Fiorella and Jonathan, um, their program is the Convo Couch. And you want to tell our audience how to watch your program, where they can catch it? Yeah, so you, yeah, you can find us on YouTube. We're also on a platform called Rockfin that doesn't censor because YouTube is censoring and demonetizing videos that talk about empire or imperialism or anything that they find uh, controversial. Rockfin, R-O-K-F-I-N.com. We're also on okay. Twitter. Um, um, Fiorella underscore I am Jonathan Mayorka on Twitter. That's right? too long. J O N A T H A N M as Mary A Y O R C A. <laughs> and uh, the combo couch is on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. So feel free to check us out. Thanks. And we should give a yes. shout out to your partner, Craig, who wasn't able oh, to Oh, yes. <laughs> he wasn't able to come, but he was here in spirit. In spirit. And sure. uh, we'll see him when we get back. And we're going to go get our regular schedule going so uh right. yes and also for our audience um our other guest was uh camilla escalante from casachu news and uh she broadcasts from bolivia so uh so we've had a great um great conversation this evening so glad you could join us i want to remind our audience you've been watching what the f is going on in latin america and the caribbean code pink's weekly youtube program we generally uh broadcast on wednesday nights 7 30 p.m eastern 4 30 p.m pacific you can also find us on apple Podcasts and spotify and also be sure to uh, catch code pink radio which broadcasts every thursday morning 11 a.m eastern on wbai new york city and simulcasting on WPFW out of uh, Washington, D.C. That as well is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, too. So looking forward to the for the next trip with you two and the next conversation. So thank you so much for joining us. Again, we've been broadcasting live from Managua, Nicaragua this evening. Thank you, Terry. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, you guys.